All right, we are back with another episode of the Fit-ish Project. With this episode, we are going to do another Q&A. Had some people reaching out with some questions and just as well as I, I have conversations with people about fitness and nutrition and things like that quite a bit. So anytime that I have a question that comes up that I think is interesting or when I have like repeated questions or repeated topics that come up quite a bit, then I figure it's worth talking about. So. That is where I got these questions from. So I think there's six questions that we're going to answer in this one. Just a couple of the topics are things like uh, eating out of boredom and how to stop that. Tips with dealing with uh, like body image issues or like body dysmorphia. So we'll talk about that and how to approach that because that's something that I personally struggled with for a while with being overweight. Um, How long it takes to see results in the gym and how you should be approaching that. Um, and then just a couple other questions as well. So we'll get right into it with question number one. So how to deal with eating out of boredom. So this is a super common thing that I know that you know quite a few people struggle with. And I know that I do it at times still, um, even though I feel like I'm more of a mindful eater. This is something that I still personally struggle with from time to time. So as I mentioned just a second ago, the mindful eating part is is going to be crucial for this. There's kind of two ways that I think about this. So the mindful eating part is a big part of it. And that's basically just becoming more aware of when you're actually hungry versus when you're just bored. And so, like I said, a lot of people will just naturally eat when they're bored and they're not even thinking about it. They're not even hungry. It's just something to do or it's just become a habit. And so people are eating. And obviously when you're eating, when you're not really hungry, you tend to overeat. That leads to things like gaining weight, um, maybe some uh, health issues down the line. And it's just not a great place to be as far as, you know, a good relationship with food and getting you towards your, you know, being a healthier person and towards your health goal. So obviously if you're eating out of boredom, it's something that you want to work on. And uh, some ways that you can do that, like I said, number one is the mindful eating thing. And one of the things that I've heard that I feel like, you know, can help people differentiate between actually being hungry versus being bored is just thinking about the apple test. So like, you might think you're hungry. So you go to the kitchen, and you probably are finding some sort of tasty snack in there, you know, whether it's chips, or maybe it's something sweet, or something along those lines. But a super easy way to tell if you're hungry is just think if am I hungry enough right now to eat an apple? Like an apple is tasty, but it's not like the most, you know, sweet thing. It's not like uh, a cake or a dessert or something like that where like you could eat it whether you were hungry or not. So think about if you could eat an apple, like if you're hungry enough to eat an apple right now, then okay, you're probably hungry. So go ahead, grab yourself a snack, get something to eat. Uh, The second thing to kind of think about is or to help you kind of uh, understand your hunger levels is actually... Uh, like skipping a meal occasionally, or even going through periods of eating a little bit less food, whether that's through a diet on purpose for, you know, multiple weeks or whatever, if that's something that aligns with your goals, or even just for like a day or two, just eating a little bit less, and actually reminding yourself what it's like to be hungry and what it's like to, you know, feel those hunger cues and actually be a little bit more in tune with yourself. Because again, it's, it's not like it's a bad thing to be hungry, right? Nobody you're listening to this podcast, you probably have access to plenty of food. Um, You're not going to starve. You're not going to have health issues or anything like that from a lack of under eating. It's the overeating that a lot of us struggle with. So understanding that it is okay to be hungry sometimes, 
even if you've been told that, you know, it's the worst thing ever, or you feel like if you're instantly hungry, that you need to, you know, get something to eat because you're uncomfortable or whatever, like it's actually okay to be hungry. And on top of that, a lot of science tells us that it's actually a really good thing to go through periods of where you're eating a little bit less, maybe under eating just as far as a health and longevity thing. So again, it's not a bad thing to be hungry at times and it's completely normal. So understand just because you're hungry doesn't necessarily mean you have to be eating all the time. And then along with that mindful eating piece, if you struggle with eating out of boredom, figuring out like the patterns of when you typically are eating, because like with eating, you know, it's a behavior that you do multiple times throughout the day when, you know, you're eating typically three, four meals a day, you're probably having some snacks in there. So it's something that you do quite often. And a lot of times we don't even really pay attention to these patterns our eating patterns that we typically are doing throughout the day. So becoming more conscious about, you know, what are your eating patterns? And a lot of times, if you actually take some time to think about it, maybe jot some things down on when you are finding yourself eating out of boredom, then you can find these patterns and that can help you, you know, work through them. So like, for example, you find yourself, you know, eating when you're bored, when you're in front of the TV, when you're watching Netflix, um, maybe it's after you've had a really stressful day, maybe, you know, you've had a hard day at work, you come home and you're just like eating out of boredom, or maybe you're eating, stress eating or whatever. Maybe it's just when you're in big groups and you're not really paying attention and there's food around. So you're just eating just because the food's there. So again, it's just those type of things to little, just take note of, because again, a lot of times when we're eating, we're not even necessarily hungry. We're just eating because the food is there. It's convenient. Maybe we're bored. So uh, just becoming a little bit more aware of those decisions and being conscious about those decisions that you're making if eating out of boredom is something that you struggle with. And then the second part of this, so that's the first part, the mindful eating, being aware of the patterns, um, just becoming more mindful when you are eating, being able to decipher between actually being hungry and just being bored. And then the second part, uh, that you can work on is actually just setting up your environment so that it makes it harder to eat out of boredom. And there's a couple different ways that you can do this. So number one, you can make the behaviors that you would like to do a little bit easier. Because again, like I said, this comes down to just simply your behaviors and more specifically, typically you're just your, your habits. So your eating habits. So make the behaviors that you want to participate in easier to do. So for example, if you are going to be eating, Try to keep more of those quote unquote cleaner type foods like your your fruits, your vegetables, your proteins, those sorts of things. Keep those things on hand and readily available so that if you are actually hungry, then you're going to eat those versus like if you have a bunch of cookies and desserts and sweets and chips and all that more highly processed stuff that's genetically engineered to make you eat more of and to be super tasty, that stuff is going to be a lot easier to eat whether you're hungry or not versus if you're going and getting, you know, a piece of fruit or maybe some veggies or something like that to deal with that hunger. So keep those things around that are a little bit higher quality foods so that if you actually are hungry, then you can have those. And if you're not really hungry, then you don't need to be eating anything. So that's one way is make those behaviors that you want to participate in easier to do. And an easy way to do that is to keep those types of foods around. Another one that you can do is make the behaviors that you don't want to participate in a little bit harder. So think of this as like creating barriers for yourself. So like, for example, just like I said, with, you know, that last point, keep more of the foods that you want to be eating, 
those healthier, better quality type foods around and less of the other stuff around. So like an easy example for this one would be like, let's say that you are hungry and you do want something that maybe is a little bit sweet or, you know, you want some chips or something like that. I'm not saying at all that you can't have those things because you, you absolutely can. And I have those things from time to time and it's not necessarily a bad thing, but I don't keep those things on hand at my house most times. And if I want them, then I actually have to physically get in my car, go to the store, grab some of those. And then I come back and I have them. Uh, but the thing about that is you're just creating a little space. You're creating a little bit of time and it gives you a little bit of extra time to think about whether you actually want those things or if they maybe they just sound good versus like if that stuff is right in the kitchen then it takes you two seconds to stand up off the couch go grab it and before you know it you've eaten you know 500 calories worth of chips and you weren't even necessarily hungry and didn't even really want them that bad so just by creating little barriers like that whether it's time or actual physical proximity of you having to go to the store to get it that's an easy way where you can start to build back or maybe break some older habits and build in new habits. Another one that I've heard people use quite a bit um, is basically just giving yourself a time limit. So let's say you're hungry um, and you want to eat something. Well, set a timer for like 10, 15 minutes, you know, go do something else. And if after that 10 to 15 minutes, you're still hungry, then go ahead and have something to eat. But a lot of times, like I said, people are making these choices before they've really even thought about if they're actually hungry and it's more so just, you know, out of boredom or convenience or whatever. So any way that you can put a little bit of barrier in between you and that certain behavior, that's going to be a good thing and an easy way to kind of facilitate those new behaviors. And then lastly, along with that, uh, setting up your environment to win is what I call it, is you can start to replace those eating habits with something else. Again, oftentimes we just do these things because it's just habitual. It's something that you've been doing for a long time. Just think about, for example, like every time you go to the movie theater, most likely you probably get some type of snack, whether it's popcorn or candy or a drink or something like that, because that's what we do. Like when we go to the movie theater, you associate that with eating or drinking snacks. And it's just something you do typically, whether you're hungry or not, you'll just get some snacks because, you know, you have that association and you're just used to that certain habit. And a lot of times in our lives, we start to create these habits that we don't even really realize either. Like maybe every time you get home from work or, you know, from school or whatever, like you have some sort of snack. Or again, maybe every time, like I said, you get in front of the TV or you watch Netflix or you're in a big group or whatever, then you eat without really even eating because you're hungry or not. And so something that you can do is replace these old behaviors with something new, whether that's, you know, let's say you get stressed out and what you typically do is you go and grab something from the counter or from the cabinet and you eat because that's what you do when you're stressed. Well, maybe instead of doing that every time you could simply just go outside, go for a 10 minute walk. Maybe you could call someone that you, you know, you like talking to. Maybe you could listen to some music, go watch something funny versus Every time you have that interaction or something stresses you out, you go to the cupboard or you go to the fridge to grab some food. You replace this with a, you know, a little bit healthier habit, something that's actually going to help you, you know, going for a walk or talking to somebody or listening to music. It's actually going to help you. But at the same time, you're also not doing that same behavior of eating something just because that's what you've always done. So again, that's another good option is just replacing your, you know, your current habit with something else that maybe is a little bit healthier and a little bit better option. So those are the two things that I would recommend for boredom or eating out of boredom. 
number one, that mindful eating piece, just doing those things around that. And then two, setting up your environment to win. And so it's not as easy to participate in boredom eating. Question number two, any tips with dealing with body dysmorphia? I've been fairly fit my whole life, but I still get scared to take my shirt off and feel confident with my body. So first off, I'll say, you know, I'm not a therapist, obviously. And uh, so these are just my opinions and my experiences with myself and with other people that I've worked with and talked to, you know, and some of those things, they may be rooted back pretty far from when you're a child and maybe somebody teased you at some time or bullied you or Maybe even somebody said something to you like a family member or a parent or something that they didn't even necessarily mean to like hurt your feelings or anything, but it's just something that always stuck with you. Um, that, that kind of stuff happens a lot. And it's crazy how long that stuff can stick with you when it happens at a young age. So understanding that, you know, some of this stuff might be a little bit more deeply rooted and be harder to overcome and get through. So you're somebody who like really, really struggles with that stuff. You have, you know, really poor body image issues and stuff like that. And maybe working with someone who's an actual professional might be, you know, the option for you. But what I will say from my experience and, you know, from people that I worked with is that some people are pretty much everybody has certain areas, whether it be physical or, um, you know, mental or whatever, like they have categories or areas in their life that they're self-conscious about. So just, understanding, you know, whether you're the, your girl or guy, you know, have a lot of money, don't have a lot of money, have a bunch of resources, don't have a bunch of resources, like everybody, they struggle with things. So like, it doesn't matter, like you could, you know, look and see the person who seems like they have it all together, they have all the money, like they have, you know, everything that you could possibly want. And I promise you, they probably struggle with something as well. You know, everybody has things that they're self-conscious about. So just understanding that, you know, it's normal. I think it's part of being a human being, but what is not normal or what I think you need to work on is not letting that stuff, you know, take over and make you make certain choices in your life and, you know, just be something that you're always like hyper-focused on and make the quality of your life not as good. And this also sort of reminds me, you know, when you start thinking about, okay, well, everybody has these problems, right? So like, how does everybody deal with it? And it made me think about, you know, a lot of times I'll talk to people who aren't necessarily as comfortable uh, with being in the gym at first or maybe going to the gym. They're self-conscious about being in there. They don't want to do things wrong. They don't want people laughing at them or you know, looking at them or making fun of them or anything like that. And one thing that I always tell people is that just like you're thinking about doing something stupid or maybe being a little self-conscious about maybe, you know, you have smaller legs or small calves or Maybe you're a little overweight or maybe you're a little underweight, have loose skin or like stretch marks or something like that. Everybody has those own things. Like I said, like everybody has something that they're self-conscious about. And just like you're thinking about your things, those same people are also thinking about their own things, right? So everybody's typically more focused on themselves than they are on other people. So worrying about, you know, if other people are looking at you and focused on you and thinking about you, most likely they're probably not, right? So that's something that I learned and something that I think about and something that I try to um, explain to people who are new to the gym is like, everybody's focused on their own stuff. Everybody's kind of self-absorbed and they're more worried about themselves than they are about you. So just go about your business, do your thing and uh, everything's going to be all right. And then along with that, you know, with actually improving, you know, your relationship with your body, your mindset around fitness, you know, improving both physically and mentally there are ways that you can do that. Like I know for my personal example, like being 
you know, overweight and over 300 pounds and never being super comfortable in my own skin. Obviously for me, losing a hundred pounds has helped with that tremendously, not just from the physical standpoint of, you know, looking different and looking better and looking in a way that I always wanted to look, but also just the mindset that goes along with that. So obviously things, you know, like your basics that you hear about all the time, strength training, exercising, walking on a normal you know, on a normal basis, dieting, managing stress, sleeping, all have a super tremendous effect on how you physically look, but also how you feel. And when you are doing those things and making sure that you're checking those boxes and eating right and moving on a regular basis and getting your eight hours of sleep, like you're going to feel and look so much better. And that starts to kind of spill over into other aspects like, you know, your self-confidence and your mood and your clarity and all that kind of stuff, which again is going to help with some of those issues, those body image issues, and just put you in a better mental space. So uh, just understanding that obviously you can do things to improve those things physically to a certain extent by getting in the gym and working out and doing all that stuff too. But if you don't work on the mental side of things, improving that relationship with your body, improving that relationship with exercise and fitness in general, working on your mental health and all that stuff, both from, you know, doing that by exercising and stuff like that. And then maybe also doing some things outside of the gym and improving those aspects, then, you know, you're not going to feel all that much better. And you're probably not going to see much of a change if you're not working on the mental side of things. So understand the physical stuff is great and all that stuff, you know, you'll feel better, have more confidence and stuff from working on the physical stuff. But again, if you don't work on the mental side, you're never going to have that sustainable progress and you're probably also going to feel like you're like always chasing certain things like you're always chasing these physical benefits like you're always trying to you know get bigger muscles or build a bigger butt or build bigger shoulders or lose more weight or whatever versus if you work on the mental side of things at the same time you can get to a spot where you feel comfortable with your body you know that you're going to improve but also, at the same time, what's most important is really feeling good about yourself and feeling healthy. And that's what really matters. So make sure you're focusing on the right things. Uh, number three, what does your personal week look like in terms of eating? So I'll, I'll say, obviously, this is me personally and not necessarily what you should be doing. Obviously, we're all different and what works for me may not work for you. But I know personally, for me, I find it helpful when I can get examples of what other people are doing. Maybe they're doing some things that I've never tried or maybe that I want to try or something that's working really good for them. You know, maybe that might work good for me. Obviously, again, this is just me personally, but what it kind of looks for me is, again, I always try to follow the 80-20 rule that I talk about so much. Uh, 80% of the time I'm trying to hit, you know, high quality foods, proteins, fruits, veggies, more whole foods. And then that 20% of the time I'll indulge a little bit and have a little bit more flexibility within my diet maybe go out to eat, have some drinks, that kind of stuff. So for me, uh, I kind of split it up into two ways. So like during the week, I eat very similar and I eat a lot of the same things. So for breakfast, I'll have something like maybe some oats with some protein powder in it, or maybe a protein shake with a piece of fruit. Those are probably the two most common things that I eat during the week, just because they're super easy to make. You know, they take only a couple minutes and I don't have to spend a bunch of time in the morning preparing food. But also sometimes, you know, I'll have like, whether it's on the weekend or maybe some mornings I have a little bit more time, I'll have like some eggs or, you know, egg burritos or egg sandwich or protein pancakes, stuff like that. And 
add a little bit more variety into it. But for the most part, it's either protein oats or a protein shake during the week uh, for breakfast. For lunch, I keep it pretty basic, but I'll have some form of protein, uh, a vegetable, and then I'll have a carb like rice or potatoes or bread or something like that. Um, and then dinner is pretty similar. Uh, it'll be, you know, some type of protein, some type of veggie, and then again, some type of carb. With my dinners, I typically will make, you know, two to three dinners at a time. So I'll cook, you know, something and then I'll eat that same thing for the next two or three meals. And then I'll do that one more time throughout the week, typically is how I do my dinners. And then for my lunches, I'll just meal prep all of them typically at the same time at the very start of the week. That way, again, I'm saving time. Snacks, I'll typically have like one to two snacks a day and I stick to I'll have fruit, uh, cottage cheese and like some crackers and then I'll do like some Greek yogurt and then protein bars. But during the week, that's pretty much the extent of my snacks. I like to keep it pretty, pretty basic and pretty similar. For me, I found that when I keep things similar, I know exactly how much food I'm getting, how much protein I'm getting, how many calories I'm getting roughly. So that that always gives me a little bit of, uh, I guess, clarity and confidence that I'm, I know exactly what I'm putting in my body as far as my goals go with lifting weights and gaining muscle and, you know, training and all that stuff. It helps me to just know exactly what I'm putting in. So during the week, I try to keep it pretty basic and pretty similar, and I don't mind eating a lot of the same foods as long as I'm just preparing them and seasoning them in different ways and stuff like that. I don't really ever get tired of them. And then as far as desserts, like if you guys follow me on social media, you probably see that I eat desserts a decent amount. I'll have some type of like small dessert typically after lunch and after dinner. So like, for example, after lunch, sometimes I'll have like, you know, a little Reese's or like a Kit Kat or uh, maybe like a Rice Krispie or something like that. Just something a little sweet, low calorie, but just a little treat. And then for dinner, I'll typically have like some type of little dessert as well, like whether it's you know an ice cream sandwich or like a cookie or something that's, again, not super high calorie, but it just kind of fulfills that sweet tooth that I have. And uh, that's typically what I do. And I'll have that most days um, throughout the week. And then on the weekend, I'm more flexible with it. Like I'll go out to eat or maybe like order takeout or, you know, have dinner with friends or something like that, like one to two times a week, maybe have some drinks if I want to, if I'm hanging out with friends or something. But again, I eat in a similar fashion throughout the week, a little bit lower calorie. And that way I can save a little bit of, um, you know, have a little bit more leniency and a little bit more flexibility on the weekends when I go out to eat and I'm eating a little bit more, having more calories indulging a little bit and I can still stay on track with my goals. So that's what I found that works really well for me. But I would, again, this is just personally what I do. And it's taken me a while to figure out, you know, what works best with me and my goals, my lifestyle and stuff like that. And I would urge you to experiment a little bit and figure out a process that works well for you. Because once you do find a process or, you know, a certain eating style that works well for you, it makes other things so much easier. You know, you make better progress, you save time, you don't have to make as many decisions and then being healthier just becomes much more sustainable. And it doesn't seem like such a chore once you figure out a way that works for you. So if you haven't found a way that works for you, um, I urge you to, you know, continue to experiment a little bit and figure out, you know, what things work for you. You know, maybe hearing some stuff from me, you might have, you know, thought of something that you could plug in that would work well for you or you follow other people on social media and maybe try some stuff that they do. But again, trying some things for yourselves and figure out what works for you and um, what's going to be the most sustainable for your lifestyle, you know, your preferences and your goals. Uh, question number four, 
Sometimes I struggle with knowing how much to work out versus how much to rest throughout the week. Any suggestions? So first I have to say, obviously this is going to depend on several different factors. So a big one is going to be what are your actual goals? Like, are you just trying to be a healthy person? Are you trying to lose weight? Are you trying to gain weight? Are you trying to gain muscle? You know, do you have performance goals? Like, are you training for something specific? Like that's going to be a big part of it. And then uh, after your goals, obviously other things that factor in as well, like your lifestyle, you know, how much time you have to actually put towards working out, what's your stress levels like, like uh, your other responsibilities, like, do you have a family uh, partner? Do you, you know, uh, what's your work life like? stress levels, like all that kind of stuff is going to play a difference. Like, is your sleep good? Are you getting, you know, sufficient enough sleep? So all those things really, you have to factor in when you're trying to figure out how much it is, you know, how much you should be working out, because someone could tell you what's, you know, quote, unquote, optimal, but what's optimal for you in your situation and your current lifestyle and your goals might not be what's optimal for the other person, you know, like, for example, let's say like, 35 year old mom that has two kids and you know she works a job and her goal is just to feel a little bit healthier her approach to fitness is going to be a lot different than let's say the 25 year old bachelor who doesn't have any kids and his only goal is to just get absolutely shredded like their situations are going to be very different and their approaches are going to be very different because one of them is going to have a lot more time availability and maybe some resources in order to work towards those goals versus, you know, the mom who's busy, who has other responsibilities, who has other things to do, right? So you have to just figure out, number one, what's important to you, what's your goal, and then think about what's actually realistic and what's optimal for you based on, you know, all those other factors that have to do with your lifestyle. Once you have those things kind of figured out, then you can really move forward and figure out a plan, right? But I will say, you know, just some general, general guidelines. Obviously, this is going to be a bigger range because, like I said, a lot of it's going to be very dependent on where you're at and your lifestyle and goals and all that stuff. But for most people, most people fall into this category of working out anywhere between like two to four, sometimes five times a week. For me personally, I found like I, I really like working out four times a week, like strength training and then like getting some type of cardio or at least walking in. Uh, getting steps in a couple times a week as well if my schedule permits and I have time and you know things are good but yeah two to five times per week is going to be plenty for most people and anywhere from like 30 to 60 minutes on average in the gym or working out is where most people are going to fall again if you have less time than 30 minutes then you know getting in there for 15 20 minutes and doing what you can in that amount of time is obviously going to be better than nothing. And you can still make pretty good progress by getting in, getting into the gym or getting a workout in 20 minutes for, you know, two to three times a week. That's going to be a lot better than not working out at all. Right. So just start where you're at. And then also on the higher end, there's going to be people that are in the gym for, you know, 75 minutes, 90 minutes, maybe if they have the time and they really enjoy being in the gym, that's also something that you could do. So again, those are just averages, but two to five times per week, anywhere between that 30 to 60 minutes is where I see most people fall within, you know, that, that area of how much they should be training or how much they should be working out. And then obviously that gives you whatever days you're not working out, that gives you those days to rest and recover because those other days where you are resting and recovering, you know, if you're working out three, four times a week, those other three to four days where you're quote unquote recovering, 
those days are important too because you make a lot of the progress. Obviously, you need the stimulus to you know facilitate the gains and adaptations and getting stronger and building muscle and losing weight and all that stuff. But you also need those days to recover and allowing your body to you know recoup so that when you are in the gym that you're getting the most out of it. So both the working out and the recovery is an important part of the process. So to make sure that you're including it, you don't want to be underdoing it, but you also don't want to be overdoing it. So hopefully that helps just some, some general guidance for most people there. Got two questions left. So number five, I feel like I'm working pretty hard in the gym, but not seeing the results. So I guess my question is how long does it take to see results? So one thing I'll point out with this one is understanding that uh, when we're talking about results, uh, you have different categories. So obviously you have the physical results, which is what everybody thinks about losing weight, gaining muscle, getting more lean or toned up, you know, all that kind of stuff. But on the other end, you also have mental progress, which is just as important as I said a little bit earlier in one of those other questions. And again, without the, you know, without the mental gains and without the mental progress, a lot of the physical progress, you won't even be able to enjoy nearly as much. So like things that go along kind of with that mental progress are, you know, building self-confidence, you know, building those character traits like discipline and grit and being able to do hard things, having a better relationship uh, with fitness and exercise and your body in general, you know, having better mental clarity, having better mental health, better mood, all that stuff to me is just as important and part of the mental progress part of things that go with fitness and working out and all that stuff. So just understanding that both those things are going to be important, but a lot of times we only focus on the physical parts, but the mental part is just as important. So two things you really should be focusing on there, both the mental progress, so the mental benefits and the physical benefits. But when we're talking in terms of actual physical benefits, because that's what most people are typically talking about when they're talking about, you know, seeing progress, you can see progress in as short as, you know, a couple weeks. Obviously, again, this is going to depend on certain factors on, you know, how long you've been working out. If you haven't been working out that long or if you're new to the gym, like you could see progress literally in a couple days, a couple weeks, like you'll see some pretty decent progress, like in your strength gains, you might lose a couple pounds, but it's also going to depend on other things like, you know, how consistent you are, what's your diet like, what's your sleep like, your stress levels your lifestyle. So again, all that, all that stuff that we kind of mentioned in one of those other questions, all that stuff is going to play a factor in how quick your results are. So again, you can see progress in as short as a couple of weeks, just depending on some of those certain factors. Um, you can see a pretty substantial difference in physical progress, like in a couple months. So like you've probably seen people that have done like challenges in like 12 weeks and they see, you know, you see their before and after picture and there's a pretty big difference. And so, you know, three months to six months, you can see a pretty good change, but also understanding that those people that a lot of us, you know, envy or we see in they're like, man, like, how did they get that way? Those people have literally been putting in work for years. Like those people have been grinding it out, focusing on their diet, like doing all these things, sleeping and managing their stress and focusing on relationships and focusing on the mindset piece. And those people have literally been putting in the work for years to get to where they're going. So a lot of times we'll look at somebody's, you know, their chapter 10 and we're on like chapter one or two. And we're like, man, I want to look like that. Like, how long is this going to take? Well, the answer is it's going to take quite a while. Like it's going to take years. But once you understand again, that fitness isn't for everything and you have as much time as you want, you know, to work on these things and to improve these things and you 
kind of put those timelines aside a little bit and don't stress about those things, it makes the process so much more enjoyable and it's going to be a lot more sustainable because as I've talked about before, once you get so uh, attached to these timelines, like a lot of times our timelines are unrealistic, number one. So like we're trying to do things a lot sooner than they're actually going to happen uh, because we have unrealistic timelines. That's just how us humans are, especially when it comes to fitness. Like we want our results like yesterday. So once that happens and we start hyper-focusing on these timelines, we start to do stupid things and go on crazy diets and cut out all our favorite foods and work out six times a day and do cardio two hours a day. And we start doing all these things that aren't really sustainable to get to this end result. And then we get to this end result. Let's say, you know, you bust your butt for four months and like just gritted through it. Well, now you get to this place of, you know, getting your result, but you're burnt out. You can't sustain it. And now you can't hold on to this progress that you just spent all this time doing. So I would just urge you, you know, to understand that it's okay to have some timelines, but be realistic about it and don't be so attached to it to where you start to do stupid things because then you're never going to really have sustainable progress. The process isn't going to be all that enjoyable. And, you know, you're just creating a worse relationship with fitness in general. So last question, this was just kind of a fun little question about me, I guess, a little personal question that somebody asked. And they said, if you played another sport in college, what would it have been? Uh, a lot of you guys know that I played football in college. I was an offensive lineman at small little private school. Shout out Coe College. Played football there for four years. Absolutely loved it. Had a great experience. Really enjoyed playing football and all my teammates and all my friends and stuff that I made there. Um, so that experience itself is awesome. And if I could pick, I wouldn't have played a different sport. But if I had to play a different sport, it probably would have been baseball. In high school, I played multiple sports. So I played baseball, basketball, football, I did track, although I was never very good at track. Um, and then I did golf my senior year just so I could learn how to play golf. So I played a bunch of sports in high school and I, I always enjoyed sports. Sports was something that came a little bit more natural to me and I just enjoyed doing it. And I really, really enjoyed basketball. I liked baseball a lot too. And so football was probably actually third on my list as far as like my favorite sports, but it was the one that I was the best at, you know, between my size and the skills I had and my abilities, like I was the best at football in my, you know, in my five sports or whatever. So, but if I had to pick something else, like, I guess it would have had to been baseball because, you know, there's not a lot of room for a six foot two post player in college basketball. Um, so I don't think that would have gone all too well. And uh, so baseball probably would have been it, which I really, really did enjoy baseball um, and actually considered playing both football and baseball in college because I enjoyed baseball that much. It was just something about baseball that always attracted me to it was that like you didn't have to be the most athletic you didn't have to be the fastest you didn't have to be the strongest like you just had to have good skills and just you know be technical within your baseball skills and have a little bit of knowledge around the game and you could be a pretty solid baseball player so that was something that I always thought was really cool is it kind of leveled the playing field out a little bit just as far as like an athletic standpoint so that was something that I always liked about baseball and why I really enjoyed it so if I had to choose something I guess it would have been baseball so uh, with that, I guess that is the end of this Q&A. Hopefully you got a little bit of value out of this and uh, learned something. If you have other questions about any of this stuff that I kind of talked about today or have future questions for future episodes, again, just shoot me a DM. Let me know because I'll do some future you know, Q&A episodes. I like these ones because you can get a little bit more contextual. People can be a little bit more specific about their certain scenarios, their certain circumstances. And uh, I think it's helpful, too, for other people to 
hear about these certain questions that other people have, because a lot of times if you have a question, there's a very likely chance that there's someone else out there that probably has a similar question. Um, so, you know, don't be afraid to shoot those to me. Um, and I can either talk about them on the podcast or just get back to you. So um, I guess that's it for now. Again, if you like this, this podcast stuff, if you like this show, make sure you uh, sharing it with uh, somebody who you think might get a little value out of it. Leave a rating, a review, all that stuff kind of helps to get this out. I think this is maybe like the seventh episode, eighth episode, something like that. So obviously, again, something super new for me, but I've been enjoying it, you know, being able to help people and hopefully teach a couple things along the way. So appreciate you guys listening. And uh, until next time, that's all I got for you.